Rogers scrambles He's left, winds up, runs the ball. He's got time at the 10 to the 5. Yes. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Gone for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. The podcast for not only them diehard Brewer fans, but also for them fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. I am Tyler, aka T Plush, your host, and can be found on Twitter at Tyler Kurth, and that is K O E R T H. For those of you who have been wondering, I know, a little different of a name, but I am riding solo here. Again tonight, as the Brewers and Cardinals series is hopefully over, I say that because I am recording as they're in the rain delay currently, um, and all indications would most likely lead to that they'll call the game because um, it's supposed to rain overnight. But you'll probably know what actually happened by the time you're listening to this. <laughs> um, so, with that being said, I'll jump right into the recaps here. I know games one and games two are a little painful to talk about, but there are some some good talking points in there. In game one, the Brewers lose three to zero. Um, they were almost no hit. <laughs> I uh, honestly didn't realize it was happening until the eighth inning started, and I looked at my fiance, who happens to be a Cubs fan, and I was like, "Bryce, we're we're about to get no hit." And she's like, "The Brewers are," and she started laughing at me. So I was very glad <laughs> Yosemite Grandal broke up that no hitter. Um, but it was a pitcher's duel. Zach Davies was on the mound for the first time coming off his IL stint, and he he pitched pretty good. Went five innings, and he really didn't get into trouble until that fifth inning, um, allowing a leadoff walk, in which, in my opinion, was a very questionable walk. It was a bang-bang uh, call by the ump, and unfortunately did not go Davies' way. But then the Cardinals played small ball from there. They executed a hit and run um, to put runners at first and third. Colton Wong then grounded out on the next at-bat, plating, in, plating a run. Uh, after that, Dakota Hudson, the pitcher, was up, bunting Colton Wong to second. And after that, again in the same inning, I don't know if you can call it a hit and run, but Wong was on the move, and Dexter Fowler just plops a lazy fly ball into left and scores Colton Wong, which put the Cardinals up two to nothing. Which it was 67% of their runs in that first game. Uh, their last run came in the sixth off Devin Williams. Um, Paul DeYoung hit one into the Big Mac section um, in there, taking out the light. Um, and then, of course, the next day, it them was just gone. <laughs> um, so, kind of funny in that regard. But as for the Cardinals pitching, uh, Dakota Hudson actually left after six and two-thirds innings. He had a really high pitch count. Um, despite So, despite having a no-hitter going, the Cardinals elected to 
get rid of him. Um, in the eighth, Orlando Garcia started off reaching via an air, um, and then Yasmani Grandal hit the double to break up the no-hitter with two outs in the eighth. Um, so that put runners at second and third. Christian Yelich was then intentionally walked, which was his third walk of the game. And then on the first pitch, Moose grounded out, um, which kind of you know was defeating for me in the regards a we didn't score with runners in scoring position and on my last podcast I was pretty adamant that you know if the Brewers started attacking the first pitch um, when they're runners in scoring position rather than using their patience um, kind of waiting for their pitch approach that I think they've been using most of the season uh, that went out the drain (laughs) on that play right there um but as for the game, um, it kind of got me thinking a little bit, you know, you know, what are people's thoughts on taking pitchers out with no hitters? You know, granted, Dakota Hudson, I think he was at 117 pitches when he got taken out, which there's no way he was going to finish that game unless he threw like 150, 160 pitches, which is just crazy. Um, but you are seeing more and more combined team no hitters and I think it just all revolves around evolution of the game I mean hitters have we'll say quote-unquote evolved here I mean we have tremendous athletes out there now um, spiked baseballs (laughs) um, that may contribute to why teams uh, decide to get into their bullpen sooner because you have a fresher arm out there and uh, typically, your high leverage relievers are throwing 97 plus and then throwing in a really good off speed or breaking pitch after that, which makes it tough on the hitters. But I think eventually you will start to see that old school trend come back. I mean, it used to be unthinkable, you know, when a pitcher had a shutout going, like, you can't take him out. He's pitching so well. He hasn't allowed a run. Um, so I think. The pitchers will evolve, and you're starting to see more and more two-pitch starting pitchers. I'm not sure if that's, you know, the way or the trend that'll start going, but it very well could be, and that might be the reason that, you know, the uh, pitchers start to throw more complete games or, you know, have ridiculously high pitch counts trying to chase the no-hitter, which is every pitcher's dream. Um, But only time, I guess, will really tell with that one. Game two was probably the most frustrating loss for the Brewers all season as they lose nine to four. Um, They actually had a late or a lead, excuse me, going late into this game before the bullpen surrendered back-to-back innings of four runs. Um, Gio Gonzalez was on the mound for the Brewers, pitching against Michael Waka. Um, Gonzalez was good. He walked a lot of batters early on, generated a high pitch count, but he was getting out of trouble. There was a few double plays um, that got him out of jams. And then on the opposite side, Michael Walker had great defense out of Harrison Bader. On the first first batter of the game, Lorenzo Cain, back in the starting lineup, got robbed of a hit. And then even more impressively, in the sixth, um, Bader robbed Higuera, laying all out for a ball in center field. So good defense, which obviously has been a staple of the Cardinals game this season. Um, That definitely continued. As for the Brewers, the sixth inning is basically when all hell broke loose. Um, 
not all of it is the bullpen's fault. I know if you look at the box score, you'll see, oh, man, four runs in the sixth, four runs in the seventh. And when the Brewers are up two to one, oh, it's another blown, you know, blown lead, blown game by the bullpen. Um, I mean, yes and no. The bullpen did walk in the tying run to make it two to two, which was extremely frustrating. Um, but then even more frustrating enough was the three RBI pop-up double that followed. <laughs> yes, you heard that correctly. A three RBI pop-up double. Um, his ball just kind of landed between a charging Braun and then a Hernan Perez and Orlando Arcia who were charging into the outfields, and they all just kind of watched it fall in front of them. It very easily should have been Ryan Braun's ball, but he kind of peeled away at the last second, um, I think because Hernan Perez was pretty close to him. But, you know, as a veteran on this team, you have to take control and make that play. And we, we know Ryan Braun isn't the greatest defensively, but, you know, that wouldn't have been a spectacular play. All it was was a breakdown in communication, something that's practiced in spring training. I mean, the simplest of plays. Um, so no excuses there. So I'm, I'm not putting all the blame on the bullpen, although in the seventh inning, they did walk in another run. <laughs> um, so lots of walks for the Brewers in this game, and Craig Council really had to go through his bullpen. We saw Matt Elber struggle for the first time in quite a while, um, throwing over 30 pitches and it was not a good night to be a Brewer bullpen pitcher. Um, and speaking of which, we also, when that sixth inning started, we had Jeremy Jeffress come out. He obviously got tagged with most of those runs on that uh, pop-up three RBI double, which is just still ridiculous to say. Um, but that raises his season ERA to 5.12. And... That kind of makes you think, like, what do we do with this guy? He was tremendous last year. In 76 innings, he struck out 89 batters. This year, through 51, he's only struck out 46. So you can see the decrease in strikeout rates, and the velocity is very down in his fastball, which was why he started the season late. He's hovering around 94, 93. Um, whereas last year is up in that 96 range. There, he does show some flashes of hitting the 96, but it's not very consistent. Um, when I go on to brooksbaseball.net and kind of break down his pitch usages, um, it's easy to see that he's not using the splitter as much this year, only throwing it about 7% of the time, whereas last year he was around 14%. Um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a, a very big strikeout pitch for Jeremy Jeffress. Um, even bigger strikeout pitch for him is that curveball. His curveball this year is using at 28% of the time, uh, whereas last year it was closer to 32, which was by far his best strikeout pitch. Um, not, and not much has really changed in regards to how well he mixes up the pitches um four seamer this year is at 27 percent sinker at 36 percent curve 28 and split seven which is a pretty good mix for a bullpen pitcher you typically don't see that normally think of two pitch uh pitchers 
But it, that's similar to last year. Obviously, the curve and the splitter are down quite a bit. Um, last year, he generated 38 strikeouts off of that curve, and whereas this year, he's only generated 15. <laughs> so big difference there. Um, and then, it's just plain and simple, the, the batters are hitting him more. His, against his sinker, batters are hitting 313. Um, when you look at last year, it was closer to 250. And you know, some of that might be location, but I think the other part of that is the velocity. Um, I was hoping, you know, when we sat him out for the first three, four weeks of the season, he'd come back and I won't say be in you know, mid-season form, but at least the velocity would be there. And it's taken him a while to get that back, and it's still not very consistent, which I think has translated into his struggles this year and as I mentioned for game three um, currently in a rain delay I have not heard if that has officially been called yet but we'll recap it anyway Brewers had a big first inning Mike Moustakas hit a three-run homer um, and here I had an RBI in that first inning as well and then the defense for the Cardinals, they just they didn't catch the breaks, um, at least early on, early on in the game. Harrison Bader misplayed a diving catch in the first, allowing Braun to reach on a double, and then he had another miss, or excuse me, not Harrison Bader, Marcelo Zuna had a misplay later on um, that allowed Yelich to score in the fourth inning, which resulted in a double for Keston. Um, but then in the fifth inning, the Brewers' defensive woes were also there. Uh, Eric Thames had a couple misplays. There was a grounder to first, which if he just would have let it go, I mean, it would have been Kesson here as ball, and he just wouldn't have thrown it to, to Thames, and the inning would have been over. But Thames, for whatever reason, raced all the way over there and wasn't able to hand the ball. And then Yasmani Grandal had a wild – or excuse me, an air on a wild throw, um, trying to catch the runner, napping in between second and third. Ball goes sailing into the outfields, and Cardinals end up getting two runs in that inning, essentially off of Brewers' miscommunications and errors. So frustrating to see that. Um, but assuming the Brewers hold on to this Cardinals win here, tonight on 8:21, that would push their record to 65 and 62 which is obviously not anywhere near brewer fans are expecting and crazy enough that leaves 35 games left in the regular season which is very scary to think about um, which got me thinking a little bit like how many wins do the brewers need to be a playoff team this year um, i'm gonna in my predictions here, I'm just going to use 90. I, I don't know if 90 is going to be enough. I think it'll be close um, given, you know, the state of the NL Central right now. And Nationals are kind of peeling away a little bit with that top wild card spot. But the second spot is definitely very much wide open. So the Brewers need to finish 25-10 and 10 here over the last 35 games in order to reach the 90 win mark. You break that down a little bit further, that means there is 11 series left in the season. One of them is a two-game series against the Astros, and then there are a couple four-game series in there, one against the Marlins. Um, we all know our previous history at the Marlins this year, so hopefully that does not 
repeats. Um, should hopefully be a, a good series there. Um, but with 11 series left, that kind of got me thinking, well, that means they probably need to sweep two of those series, um, you know, depending on how things fall. So then I was like, all right, well, how many teams have the Brewers swept this season? It doesn't seem like it's been a lot, but they have swept six teams this year, most of them coming earlier on in the season. And a co- actually, a couple of them, two of them, have been against the Pirates, um, ironically enough. So it is doable, I think, in that regard. And last year when the Brewers went on the run that they did, they went 28-10, and 10, including Game 163. So really, the task of me saying the Brewers need to go 25-10 and 10 to end the season out is a little bit easier because you have to get three less wins um, in that regard. So I'm not by any means trying to say it's going to be easy. I mean, given the state of this team, the bullpen is still a mess, and the offense has its issues with runners in scoring position and consistency issues throughout really the entire team um, kind of leave this a little uncertain. But, I mean, all it takes is a few guys to get hot at the right time. I mean, last year it was Lando Arcia getting hot in September and through the playoffs. Domingo Santana was a hot pinch hitter, if there is such a thing. And, obviously, Christian Yelich really carried the team um, found his home run stroke and was just incredible and really he's been playing that way ever since so it's not like it's not like Christian Yelich is going to be our all out savior um if the Brewers do make a run this September because he's been playing like he did at the end of last season all year um so it's going to come from somebody else I it's impossible to predict who it is but Starting pitching has been good as of late, knock on wood. I have not heard much on when Brandon Woodruff will slash if he'll return. I know they were talking early September originally, but obviously uh, that timetable could have changed. Uh, I don't know if he's making any rehab stints or not. And then Brett Suter is also another candidate who maybe could come up in September during the call-ups he's been he's made two or three appearances now in AAA and actually a fun fact going back to his rehab stints in like single A double A working his way up he actually threw a no-hitter um through his first like nine inning rehab stints um it's obviously changed since then but kind of funny in that regard but he's doing doing quite well and he could potentially help this team out. I don't know if I don't think he's going to be ready to be thrust into the starting lineup, but having another lefty in the bullpen doesn't hurt, especially with how much use Alex Claudio has gotten this season. So we'll see how the Brewers fare here down the stretch. Like I said, twenty-five and ten. Technically, that's three less wins than what they did last year. <laughs> so should be easier right um not necessarily but it does give you hope as a brewer fan that yeah it's scary there's only 35 games left but it it's within reason that it's not unthinkable that the brewers can't pull this off at least you know if 90 wins is going to be enough 
or not, which we will see. But this upcoming series here, Brewers are off on Thursday, hopefully as you're listening to this, and then they start a weekend series against the Diamondbacks, who have suddenly crept up a few more games here, and they're right in that contention for the wild card too. So Brewers are going to send Jordan Lyles to the mound, Chase Anderson, and then Zach Davies in that order. Looking for a bounce-back performance from Chase Anderson after he got tagged with 10 runs (laughs) against the Nationals um, in that weird series there but crucial that the brewers they get some wins you can only afford 10 10 more losses um this season and i think one even if the brewers win 11 or lose 11 excuse me that one loss is going to make a difference it probably won't be enough i don't think 89 gets you in so all these games are crucial here so with that being said i will talk to you guys come monday now after the net or excuse me the Diamondback series i'll recap it there for you hopefully my buddies sunshine and the vanilla gorilla will be with me you can find all of our content at the wisco sports trilogy webpage or at trilogy underscore pod on twitter and our writing and podcasts are also posted on the fresh take and that is at the fresh take on twitter or the fresh take.net for their webpage. so be sure to check all of that out and keep the faith brewer fans keep relieving see you